Alrighty, everybody, welcome to the LTA podcast. I'm your host, Felix Miyago. I got special guest star, Caden, Caden Young. Caden Young, yep. Yes, sir. And met through Trader Joe's 2017? 2017, yeah. So, like, I think so, yeah. That sounds about right. Jun- that's junior year. Junior year, and then on to senior year, and so on and so forth. Because then we also did. Was it? I think it was late junior year because I had health class with you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with Mister Parodi. Ah uh, yes. Yep. And then I sat in the back. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> that was like, dude. That's kind of crazy to think about high school, and then we did track. Track senior year. Yep. Track senior year, and then CSM. We had only one class together. That was history. Yes, we had history with, um, what's her name, but yeah. Smith, I, 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 Aaron I, Smith, or Judith? Judith Hunt. Judith, oh, yes. was it Hunt? Yes, oh, okay. it was Hunt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the good old <laughs> history class, I'd be like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, and then I'd look, I'd look behind and be like, hey, Felix, you got any plantain chips? And you'd be like, oh yeah, I got some, here you go. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that's, yeah. Met through Trader Joe's first. Then do our friend Set group. Set to be focused. Uh, it'll usually do that. Don't okay. Worry. It's, been, uh, it's been acting like that. So, you know, as long as it can hear the audio, I think it's fine. Got it. Uh, Trader Joe's, mutual friends, track. That's it, right? I'm pretty sure that's how it And then classes together. And then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Fellow gamer. Um, yeah. Among us gamers. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Among Us. Did, uh, our friend groups are interesting with Among Us. Yes, it is. <laughs> I feel like whenever I'm playing with you, I'm like, I'm going to lose if I don't do anything to get rid of Felix first. Otherwise, he's going to find me out as the imposter almost instantly. Yeah, and then, like, and then, you know, everyone else is like, yo, I think it was you calling out random <laughs> sus, yep. voting each other off. Yep, yeah, pretty much. What have you been up to? I know you're doing comp sci for. I am doing comp sci, so I did, I did CSM for, mm. two two ish years, uh, just getting like general classes for transfer done out of the way, and then once I kind of got that done, I applied for a transfer to Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz, and I got it. Twenty twenty, mm-hmm. right when the pandemic started. <laughs> So, that helped me pass Calc 3, yeah. and then from there, they're like, hey, you got all the general ed somewhat done, but you have all of your specialized computer science classes done, and there's no more that can be taught at uh, CSM, because you've already hit the highest level. Mm-hmm. So, we accept the transfer, and then during the pandemic, I transferred, and then now, moving on to year three at santa cruz i think be wait no two two i'm I'm finishing year two and then moving on to year three yes yes how's that been (sighs) (laughs) santa cruz sometimes it's just kicking my butt and sometimes i'm just like wow this is actually a class this is so easy and then sometimes i'm just like i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to be here this sucks and it's quarter it's quarter system, system. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. so more intense but like you would get more classes done you yeah you get more classes done at the expense of chopping off six weeks of studying so you gotta fit it all in 10 weeks and you gotta hope that you know it and retain it and then just move on to the next quarter immediately afterwards Mm-hmm. And then you get like a month extra for break, I think. During summer, summer yeah. Because the quarter system starts a bit later than normal. Starts like September. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll go way into October. But yeah. So you get more time off of the end of summer. You get like the additional months. So it's a trade-off. A little bit, yeah. You get to enjoy one extra month, and then you, you gotta, suffer again, and then you and then you get to enjoy it, and then suffer again. You gotta cram those six <laughs> weeks in immediately, and then they'll pay off during summer, because then people will be like, "Oh man, I gotta go back to class." And I'll be like, "Really? Uh, I got like a month and a half left. What are you talking about?" Uh, yeah, it's funny because everyone else is like in school, and they're like, "Oh man, we're not doing syllabus anymore. We got a test," mm-hmm. and then you're just you're chilling. Yep. It brings the anxiety on sooner. Because really? I'm just like, I'm just vibing, chilling. And everyone at CSM is just like, oh man, I already got a test already. And I'm like, I'm in summer mode. I don't want to think about tests. I don't want to <laughs> think about syllabus. I need you to stop talking about CSM to me right now. <laughs> and then like quarter, it's there's midterms like in the middle of the month. And then midterms is mid- weird. Mid- middle of the quarter. Midterms depends more on like the class that you're taking. So I've had a class where it's, so my current class right now is, you do five weeks, in the middle of five weeks, or at the end of it, you do a midterm. And then from week six to 10, you learn new material. And then week 10, you do the final. That's like your normal midterm. Um, I had another class where they're like, we don't do midterms, just do your lab, do the weekly assignment, and then do the final. And it's like, oh, okay. And then I've had a class where it's just like, all right, we're going to have a midterm in the middle of the first half, then the actual midterm, then we're going to have a midterm in the middle of the second half, and then you have the final. So it's like for every quarter of that class that's done, you took a quote-unquote midterm. Oh, that does not sound like fun. No, it's not fun. I didn't like that class, but it's done, and I don't have to think about it anymore. So, Well, how do you... Well, since it's quarter, you know, like, I don't know how, you, how you're keeping up with all it, but um, are you keeping up with, like, your own hobbies as well, or are you just zoned in on the the quarter and, like, trying to get classes? For this quarter, I have pretty easy classes. The one I'm taking is a, it's a film class where we don't watch any actual films. It's more about the idea of, like, what visual culture is. So mm-hmm. film is visual culture, a photograph or, like, drawings and paintings. That's part of visual culture. So that's the class I'm taking. It's asynchronous. So it's just, you got a week to do this assignment. You can do it the day it comes out. You can do it five minutes right before it's due. (laughs) So you just pace yourself on that one. So this quarter is going to be pretty easy. Next quarter is going to be a little bit more, I would say, rushed and structured in my schedule. So not a whole lot of free time during that quarter. But for right now, I have a, a bunch of free time to do play games D&D stuff like that so D&D video games any other hobbies um I did make Gundams Gundams. for a little bit um oh no Felix you're exposing me (laughs) my hobbies (laughs) well I mean any any, like recent interest because I know before before the podcast we're talking about a little bit of F1 
Yep. And I'm kind of curious to know about it because, like, I, I, I just have no clue what it is. All right. Well, hope you have an open mind because I'm gonna about to blow it right now. All right. He's got. He's even got the phone ready. I have too. the phone ready. For reference, notes, but I think I know <laughs> most of it. So, of course, F1 is part of motorsport racing. It's. It's usually your main one when you think of motorsports on the world level. Of course, if you're in the U.S., we have an F1 equivalent called IndyCar. IndyCar, it's similar to F1 in the idea that of how you build your car and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, IndyCar is kind of different just based off of the, the specs of the car itself. And then the other big thing in... Uh, the USS NASCAR. I'm not a particular fan of it. I know a bunch of people are though, but it's not as enticing to me as normal racing. But beyond those two types of racing, on the world level, you got rally, you got GT racing, you have like not quite hypercar, but a sort of supercar racing. And then the most prestigious and most well known around is F1 racing. So F1 started back i don't know the exact year i want to say 1955 dang so that, it, 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 it's been around years. a long time but of course back then there weren't exactly a whole bunch of rules to it they mm -hmm. were kind of just like hey these people make nice cars or ferrari makes some pretty nice cars but if we just took their engine tossed it in this little metal box and we raced it around mm -hmm. and then a bunch of people kind of liked that idea and they got together and that's where F1 essentially came from. So F1 is maintained by the FIA, which is Federation Internationale de Automobile. Really? So like a, like a committee or like like it organization? Is, like yeah, sure. it's a committee organization. They look over a lot of motorsport racing. So they don't just do F1. They do. They watch the Le Mans race, which is a race in France, well known for being. It's a 24-hour race. So, you know, the uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie Ford vs. Ferrari. No. Uh, that movie's based on the Le Mans race between the Ford company, Ford, built tough, versus their Ferrari. The old, like, ancient automobile wealth and power. They're, they're very prestigious, what Ferrari is supposed to be. So they raced each other at Le Mans, and mm -hmm. it was a race to see who could build the better car for the year 1967 68 69 and 70 so that it recaps the whole battle of that but the Le Mans race is a famous 24-hour race that tests drivers and cars at the Le Mans track in France but FIA also looks over rally racing so taking cars off-road I don't know if they cover trophy truck racing which is another type of racing which is off-road but FIA covers usually a lot of motorsport or some sort of like automobile type racing that happens in the world okay. Na NASCAR and IndyCar don't really fall under it just because they're they're mainly in US NASCAR doesn't happen anywhere else neither does IndyCar because the IndyCar equivalent is F1 so there you go wait so was F1 the first of it's like the one that started like racing or was it like nascar that then they got um, the idea to make their own like little racing structure like 
I think there was, there was like racing at the time when automobiles happened, but at that time there wasn't like a defined car, so to say. It was more like they just strapped an engine to a wagon and these two guys had a race back in the 1800s about it. F1, I mean, since that happened, it was at that point where people are just like, oh, hey, we can build these type of automobiles. So mm -hmm. between that and like F1, probably like 70 years of actual car manufacturing and technology was developed until F1, I want to say was the first like organized type racing that happened. Because NASCAR is going to be a little bit later after F1. I want to say F1 is technically the first. But I'm not 100% sure. But that's when the FIA comes in. And then now that there is a committee for racing, that's when all these other different racing groups start to form. Rally racing, like the w WRC, which is World Rally Championship. Uh, NASCAR springs up. IndyCar springs up. Trophy truck racing, all that whatnot. So... We got a little bit about the history. So, like, let's say someone's interested about, like, you know, trying to get into F1, like, go into the racing. Mm -hmm. What kind of car would they need? Or, like, what specific, like, type should they be looking out for? So or someone's trying to get into F1? Or just, like, they're interested, but, like, they want to, like, you know, start getting into, like, racing to eventually lead up to it. It's, so like, where, what, what kind of car? Are they looking for, like, the sports cars? Like a, uh, like a, I don't know, like a Ferrari, a, a Mustang, or... It's hard to answer your question because once you get into, like, the idea of F1 and knowing it, it's kind of already too late for you to get into F1. So, because with all... I'll just bring up a few examples. All these F1, current F1 drivers, um, let's say last world champion, Max Verstappen, he's 20, he's 25 or 26. He got his F1 debut when he was 17. Oh. So if you want to try and get into F1 as like an actual driver, all of these F1 racers started when they were four, five, six years old. They got into kart racing and then they go to their local track. They race go-karts around and then they win. They get noticed by a few people because the issue with getting into F1 is you have to get into kart racing first, which is ages four to seven, so really young, and you need money, and you need a lot of money. So in order to get that money, you either have to be essentially born into it, or you gotta be noticed and picked up sponsor-wise in order to get into it. So you start out kart racing, someone, let's say someone notices you, they're like, hey, you mm -hmm. seem pretty good, We'll sponsor you to go to these races and race really? under our name or you wear our helmet that has our advertisement on it. Eventually, you do that enough, you work your way up into F4, which is the lowest level of Formula One in terms of like horsepower, engine-wise, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But that's when you first get into a Formula car, the structure of it having the flat wing, four open wheels and then a wing in the back you in the center cockpit mm -hmm. from there you just gotta once again get sponsored again make sure you have money get a team and then from there you work your way up slowly from f4 into f3 from f3 into f2 f2 finally into f1 assuming there's a seat available for you in f1 but f1 is 
the final goal. Most people, I mean, by the time you're in F4, you're probably young teenage years. F3, you're still coming out of those teenage years. F2, you're probably starting to hit the later stages of teenage. And then if you're lucky, or if you're really skilled like Max Verstappen, you hit F1 at age 17. But most people that do already like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, that's when they get into F1. And then from there, depending on how well you are at racing and how skilled you are with that car determines how long you're going to stay in F1 as well. So to go back to your question, <laughs> you can't, it's hard to just be like, yeah, I'm going to buy a car, get used to racing and then get into F1. It's something you... It's something that you can't necessarily do at this point. It's like, if I'm 18 and I'm like, huh, I have money now, let me buy a Subaru BRZ, which is a, a nice Subaru, essentially. Sort of a sports car one. Max Verstappen started at 17. I'm already a year older than him at that point. There's, it's, your parents have to essentially sign you up to get into F1. It's hard for you to make that decision unless you willingly did it at age seven and you get into that older age bracket of getting in. But like for you and me, I don't, we can't get into F1 right now. Sorry. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so let's say, uh, let's say it's too late, all right? So next option, where, where do they go to now? Can they, can they still just buy a car to enter a race anywhere? Like not. That, that they hold races? Not Formula One. Um... Would you get into, like, drag racing or something then? Drag racing? Okay. Drag racing, yes. Because drag racing is very not strict on rules-wise. Drag racing, because drag racing is not a team sport. Drag racing is just, I got a fast car. I'm going to show up at the track and I'm going to dust people. Yep. People with Tesla plaids have been doing that. Just because the Tesla plaid has so many electronic motors in it. And the acceleration-wise is instant. That's why it only has one gear. They're able to dust V6, V8, V10 engines or Hemi engines at the track and whatnot. So someone brings in like a, a Dodge Hellcat. That's their fancy drag race car. Mm -hmm. And then someone brings in a Tesla Plaid. Tesla Plaid's going to win the quarter mile drag race just because it's able to get that instant torque. Even though the Hellcat has hundreds of horsepower and whatnot. Drag racing, because drag racing is very easy, because you, you just show up. You just sign a waiver and be like, oh, hey, if I crash my car, it's not on them. And they go, yeah, there you go. Just sign this, and then you can race. We'll tell you when the race, and then that's it. Um, once you get into more complex-type races, it's a little bit more difficult, because the main thing is going to be money. Uh, and another because you have to have money for entry and another thing is you gotta have money for your car and mm -hmm. all your stuff obviously you need the racing suit you need equipment and whatnot, but your car is your main thing and the main thing is you don't want to take your own car to the track why not? I mean y you could but if something goes wrong someone starts bumping my car <laughs> and they hit my rear wheel <laughs> and I start spinning out and I crash into the wall I'd rather doing it. I'd rather do it in someone else's paid car than my own paid car. So, 
I mean, if you have a bunch of money, I mean, you can just go to uh, any sort of like race track and find out their racing days. Um, Laguna Seca down in LA-ish area. I don't know if it's in LA. Just down there. Because um, you can autocross it. Autocross is just saying, I'm just going to pay for this day to bring my car and then I can just drive around not necessarily in racing but just drive around the track but on race days you're gonna they'll have like hey we have class b type racing on this day or hey we're having class a type racing or we're gonna clear out the schedule because we're having a gt race here but it also depends on the track in which you're going to so if I go to Laguna I can autocross there if I want to in like a Prius if I bring it. But if I need to go to Silverstone up in Britain, which is a more dedicated like F1 track, I don't know if I could bring a Prius there and start driving it around. What do you mean? I'm just practicing. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to get my laps in, you know? Or uh, another thing is F1 has street type races. So they block off certain streets in order for you to do the races at. Famous one is Monaco obviously someone has to set up the racetrack on the street in order for it to become the monaco track for the f1 grand prix but if i bring a prius there when it's not on a track day it's a normal street it's a normal city so that's essentially where it's at you can autocross Mm. on days in which you want to bring your car but if you want to get into racing you're going to need money and get a good enough car to do it and then probably you're going to need a team as well in order to do it team sponsors other than that pretty much it you just have to check in with the track and see what the venue's like dang so it's kind of like uh like uh what's that cars you know when they're like in that racetrack you know the, spon- For the piston cup <laughs> get, yeah, yeah they're getting sponsors and then like you know cars three or whatever they're going to like uh italy or somewhere like france yeah well i didn't see cars three i know in cars two they did the world racing thing oh maybe it was two <laughs> cars two with the spies as well yeah yeah, yeah. they're in they're in uh, london they did london they did italy and then they did japan so is, is are those true though like like it the courses are in the street like it's like that um, kind of area there are a few which are just straight up in the street and then there are others which are dedicated to a racetrack so monaco is one is a very famous street race even though this the country itself is so small on the map it's hard for people to even find it on the map um and the the essentially the country is just the track itself but that is technically a street race um LA used to have one. They used to have a street race. I forget for what exactly. I don't remember if it was for GT or IndyCar racing. Um another IndyCar race that they have is in Georgia, which was another street race. I remember they just made it. I also remember that it was not a good race for a lot of people. Just the design of the track was very poor. And it caused a lot of IndyCar drivers to crash their cars, which is not great, but it could be worse. Um, Trying to think for F1. There's another location. 
trying to think of the name. It's not Abu Dhabi. Uh, not Bahrain. Azerbaijan. They race, in, they race in Azerbaijan, and that is a street race. So they block off certain streets in order to do it. At, at a certain point, there's a point where there's just a barrier right in the middle of the street, and people are going this way on one side, and on the other side, there's an F1 car coming the other way. But it's all on one street. It's just the dividers that they set up in order to make the street circuit uh, divide that street into two, essentially, areas of the track. Like one for like civilians just driving through, or like no more like, more of like, like different different types of races going on. No, it's like um, it's a different part of the track. Like if you're coming in at this corner, you're gonna pass through this point. You're at twenty five percent done with the lap, and then you do a loop all the way around. You do a couple courses, and then you get back here. Oh, you're okay. right on the other side of the barrier, but you're at eighty percent done with the track or the lap, and then you go through, and it's another loop. Okay, I thought it was like there's one race on one side and then it's just people just driving nope. normal and they're just like they're just like looking out the side, they're nah, like, What's going on? They block off the whole they block off like a whole area just for that street race. But those are the only two that I can think of which come to F one racing. Street race wise. Monaco, Azerbaijan. I think there's one more, it's just not coming to my mind right now. But every every other F one race that they do is on a it's on a dedicated track that they do so hmm. mainly it's mainly venues more so than street races because i in like a schedule f1 would have usually around 20 ish races and then street race wise there's only going to be three four everything else is going to be at a venue itself but if you're at street race and you're like huh I'm just going to book this hotel room right here that just so happens to be above the track. And you wake up Sunday morning like, oh, what's that loud sound coming outside my room? There's going to be an F1 race going on right below you. So, Huh. And there's just people that just come visit spectating? Just Yep. There's there's stands that people will visit, spectate. If you're, if you're famous, you may get to go down into the pits. So it's the pit stops and you get to visit different teams. Or if you're lucky and it's on a street race, then you can just rent a hotel room for that weekend and the hotel just happens to be right next to the racetrack. So you can just look down and see F1 cars zoom on by. So does like, do they like get the government involved in all that to let people know and like, like, like hotel owners, like this event's going to happen? Yeah. Uh, Because they have to talk with said country in order to do it. Um, And then like, Probably those hotel people are just like, hey, we're up in our rates for this weekend. There's going to be a race right now. Just we got a lot of those, people coming in today. Yeah, That's increase all those rates and then we'll make the we'll watch the money roll on in through. So, so kind of like the Olympics, like like if a if a if a if a country is like going to sponsor it, then you know they just they let everyone else know what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Huh. So. And they're, they're like, uh, each country has like their own representative, or is it just like just out of, out of like the top ten? Are like, you talking team wise? Or just like F one? Like competing, like, like when they're in races, is it is like each, like one country, one driver, so, or is it like multiple? So in the aspect of like the Olympics that happens, uh, a country does not get to send in like their own racer. It's more of like teams do it. 
and the mainly teams are divided up into rich people or actual car manufacturers. So if we list off the F1 teams at the moment, we got Mercedes, uh, Alpine, Aston Martin, um, McLaren, mm-hmm. Ferrari, teams like that, those are manufacturers. So obviously Mercedes, Mercedes-Benz, uh, Ferrari, Ferrari. But then you have, on the flip side, you got the rich people aspect. So not necessarily people, but also companies. So um, Haas is the U... It's a U.S. Uh, rich guy. I forget his first name, but his last name's Haas. He owns a Formula One team that has Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher. Those are two F1 drivers. But Haas isn't a manufacturer. They'll make cars. It just so happens just the to be... Dude. Yeah, the guy named Haas that does it. Um, And then you have rich companies. So Red Bull has a formula team. And then they have a sub-team that's not called Red Bull, but they're associated with Red Bull called AlphaTari. AlphaTari's not a car manufacturer. AlphaTari's not a rich person, but AlphaTari is part of a company corporation, Red Bull, and they are into F1 racing. So those are the teams someone mentioned recently in an article that uh there's going to be a new f1 team called andretti based off of famous nascar driver mario andretti so once again make a team off of a rich person and that's how it works so not necessarily a country can send someone as a representative during these races it's more like you buy your way into F1, and then once you bought your way into F1, you represent yourself, or you represent some sort of bigger company. Good to know. I think it's perfect timing. Alrighty, we are back. Uh, where do we leave off? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so basically, you have to be sponsored, or you have to be rich, super rich to like own your own team. You either own your own team or a company. Or a, you're a car manufacturer that gets into F1 racing. Those are the only two, really. You cannot go uh, in solo and be like, yes, I'm going to make my own car and do this. FIA would be like, no, 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 you can't do that. Here's our 137-page <laughs> manual that says about what you can and cannot do. So, like, you know, like, going into, like, races, I'm pretty sure there's, like, banned substances and all that like you can't can't have like boosted fuel or something or like the driver can't be on some sort of drug or yeah i don't think you'd want to be under the you know, drugs like, always say do not operate heavy machinery under the influence it's like you know like the olympics like like do they take it to that level too like they're just like checking every single part making sure yes there's no flaw with the car there's also like the driver No shady thing going on. I would say that the FIA's regulations are definitely a lot more strict in comparison to the Olympics. Because what I mentioned, their 137-page manual, it is 137 or 138 pages long that says what your car and cannot be down to the millimeter of said car. And at the same time, if you're an F1 driver, you have to be in a certain weight range in order to be in the car. You have to be physically able to get in and out of the car as well. The main thing about, I mean, I feel like that wasn't a big thing until you see these F1 type crashes. 
because you know sometimes there have been plenty of crashes where it's been very minor but when a crash goes wrong it means life and death for that driver um let's uh i'll just mention a famous one there's actually two famous ones i'll mention the most recent one roman grosjean who was racing for haas at the very the second to last race of one of the f1 seasons i think it was 20 20 it was the 2020 season mm-hmm. he was driving along um i forget who tapped his back wheel but his car slid slammed into the wall and it it essentially blew up what the heck the car essentially blew up the gas tank got pierced a spark happened and there was an explosion and fire all over the place. Luckily, after, I think they said 45 seconds of being in the fire, Romain Grosjean was able to climb himself out and medics were able to pull him over the railing from the fire and he only suffered burns on his hands and feet. I I want to tell you this information because FIA has their rules about if a driver somehow crashes... They have to be able to get out of the vehicle in like eight seconds. Eight seconds or less. So you can make a super complex F1 car based off of aerodynamics and whatnot. And you can have all the safety and strap that guy in real tight so he doesn't budge. But if he can't get out in eight seconds, FI would not deem that car raceable, essentially. It's a bunch of regulations like that that the FIA goes into play about their cars front wing can't be this long uh back wing can't open this much during drs which is their drag reduction system that's when the wing is like this part of the wing will open up to allow air to go through which reduces drag which allows the car to go faster hence the drag reduction um if that opens too much then your car is in violation of racing and you get a penalty that is what happened to lewis hamilton at brazil i think Mm -hmm. which was not that long ago it was only last season um all sorts of regulations and whatnot max verstappen touched the back wing of lewis's car because he thought like he physically touched it after a race Mm -hmm. not after a race a practice session or qualifying and he was fined fifty thousand pounds for that Yikes. He touched it and he was fined for it. He touched? He did a he touched it. He put his hand through to see if it was too big or whatnot, because he suspected Lewis was cheating. FIA looked at footage of him doing it and they fined him money for it. Even though like wait, he he touched it or he was about or like was no, like he test- touched he touched it. He touched it trying to measure how much the DRS gap is. And he was fined fifty thousand for that, because like it, it was it was his competitor's car. He's not allowed to touch it. Wow. So FIA is very strict about stuff like that. Wow. But like like pit crew and all that, like they can they can touch it like before the race. Well, your or pit crew only touches your car. Yeah, but like I'm saying, like you know, like once like once the car is like in position, like they uh, can't do like last minute or like no, they, they can't like. Nope. Once it's submitted, they can't, like, change a wheel or something. So f- it has to be as it is. So uh, that is called, it's a rule called par ferme. So whatever setting 
and stuff that you have set on the car that you race during qualifying. Qualifying is a pre... They're doing a weird thing with qualifying. They have two systems for doing it. I'll just talk about the main way they qualify is you do you do as many laps as you want around the track on qualifying day and then if you are you just want to make sure you're the fastest when you do it if you right now there's 20 drivers on the roster for the next season during qualifying you want to make sure you're not the bottom five so you don't want to be the five slowest people because then you get knocked off and you go from qualifying one to qualifying two Qualifying two is the exact same system. You go around the track as fast as possible. Make sure you're not in the bottom five. But the difference is with qualifying two is whatever tire you race on, you have to use that compound. So when it comes to F1 racing, there's different tire compounds. You have heavy, medium, soft, and then depending on which F1 you're going into, you have super soft or you have the super heavy and whatnot. Mm -hmm. F1 only uses heavy, medium, and soft, but they use five different compounds. They name them C1 to C5. So whatever rate, whatever time you've got using the tire compound and qualifying two is the one that you have to use when you actually race race, regardless if you're in the bottom five or if you're in the top 10. And then qualifying three, which is essentially the top 10 fastest people, uh, determines the grid position. So obviously you want to be the fastest. And if you are the fastest, you get what's called pole position, which means you're at the very front in front of everyone. And you want to get that because, of course, if you're in the front, you're most likely to win. So that is what happens. So uh, let me go back to what Parferme is. Parferme, which plays into the, the tire compound, also plays into all the little nitty bits on the car so f1 car it's not really it's somewhat customizable but also it's not because then fia comes in with their 138 bible and says hey <laughs> on page 68 it says you can't do this and you did this so we can't allow it but there are a few bits of customizations of like I want a bit more downforce or I want a bit less downforce. So they'll tweak very small things on the car. But once you finish qualifying, you your pit crew is not allowed to tweak anything else on your car from that point to race day. So do they just like have the cars all lined up and then like cameras and like so they're and people they, garden with like guns? I don't exactly know how they do it. All I know is is that they park the car in the garage mm -hmm. and they have to put a cover on it and that cover goes on top of the car and that cover is not to be removed until you go back to race day so once qualifying is done you mean you can make changes but you have to take penalties for it and that is a whole another thing of f1 of what parts you want to switch out and take penalties for because say your turbo blows up you got to take it with you. you gotta, <laughs> Broken turbo. You got you to fix it and whatnot. But you're only allowed a certain amount of uh, turbos throughout the whole season. So say you just blew up your last one and that was your third turbo. So you have to move on to your fourth one. But FIA states that throughout the season, you're only allowed three. You can get a fourth turbo, but you have to take a penalty for it. Which would be what? You would lose the, more time? Or? You would 
lose grid positions. So say I'm in say I'm in the Red Bull car. I just did the fastest lap during qualifying. But also during the fastest lap, I blew up my turbo. So I need a new turbo. Like it's I need it cuz then I can't race in this car. So a turbo is a part I have to replace. I've already used up three turbos. I have to move on to the fourth one. FIA states whether we only get three. So the penalty I would take is save five grid positions to put a new turbo in. So even though on qualifying day I was the fastest and I got pole position, that because I took the penalty, I have to start down in sixth now because I have to be moved down five spots. Wow. But let's say I really messed it up. I blew up the turbo. Turbo blew up another piece of the car. I need to fix that part. And it turns out that part was wearing down so much over time that it was already on its last legs. And I've already exceeded that amount. It could be another five grid spots. So I just went from first place. I'm now down to 11th. Say your car blows up. What do you do? Let's just say the whole car blows up. <laughs> say, say like a big chunk of it is gone. Because <laughs> you, really you really had to win it. <laughs> like say the wheels start drifting and you're like, oh snap. And like your turbo goes off and like the, the, the back of the tail is slightly bent. And you know, one of the tail lights is broken. Like what, what are you supposed to do? So if the whole thing blows up. <laughs> Um, they're like can't help you there that is a good question <laughs> i'm not entirely sure what the fia bible says i'll just give you what i've seen and what most likely happens they'll they'll have to make a brand new car okay they'll try and salvage whatever parts they can off of the old car and fia will probably say hey if this part is still good you have to put in a new car but say this part is it's completely demolished. I don't know if you have to go into your reserves to pull out a new one. I wanna say I think you do. I think so. So say your whole car gets demolished, just <laughs> blows up spontaneously, and you're just sitting there in the middle of the track with your steering wheel in hand. Um obviously you gotta pay millions in order to fix that car i would also say you probably have to go into the fia reserve pieces that you have and you're gonna have to use those so you're just gonna have to be down a little bit of cash and you're also gonna have to be down in parts so you're in last place so you're basically you, you lost a lot of money you know you probably won't be the fastest in the in the group and you're probably in the last seating position. Well, you don't necessarily would be in the last. Because let's put it into perspective. We go back to 2021 season, Brazil race. Lewis Hamilton's car is penalized because the wing does not fit the regulation. He moves down. I forget. How, I think he, has, he moves down all the way into last place. Moves into 20th. At that point... Mercedes is thinking, let's just replace a bunch of parts on the car and just stack these penalties all at once. Because if Lewis Hamilton gets pole position, 
regardless if he does or does if he gets pole position or he gets 19th the penalty on this wing is going to force him back into 20th but if i start replacing all these parts on my car the penalty is going to say you got to move five place a five place grid penalty down a 10 place grid penalty down but lewis is already in last place he can't go any further <laughs> so replacing all of these parts all would put him at an advantage to other cars because that would mean Lewis Hamilton is racing in the Mercedes with a brand new turbo, a brand new uh, power unit and whatnot, brand new transmission, brand new wing and everything. And his next person is Nikita Mazepin down in 19th. His turbo already has three race worth of wear and tear on it. His power unit already has 10 races worth of wear and tear on it. Granted, the Haas cars are fast already. Yeah. But say Mazepin was in another Mercedes, which would never happen. But theoretically, let's just assume this happens. Hamilton would pass him right by up because Hamilton has completely fresh parts on his car. And Hamilton ended up winning that race, even though he started 20th. Huh. So that is a little bit of the Mercedes-Benz magic. But at the same time, that... That theory technically applies to any car. Even though you may end up starting last, if you got fresh parts on your car, that can make the difference of you getting a win or not. So so that that's a loophole is what I'm hearing. You you can be like Yeah, it, you, it is a loophole that teams will abuse in order to make sure they get a win or whatnot. They implement a new rule, your car has to move farther apart from everyone else. So everyone's just like in the fit, the starting line and that car's like all the way in the back there. Alright, Lewis, I know you've already <laughs> replaced everything on your car. We need you to start in the middle of the track, about two miles down this way. And then you can start the race from there. We'll 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 shoot a flare so you can see it. <laughs> you you can't see the flag guy going we'll down. We'll radio you and go, Oh, the race has started. You should go now. <laughs> Okay, so I guess that's an interesting loophole or like strategy. Some teams there's a there's a lot of loopholes that have occurred in formula, mm -hmm. which is why the F one Bible is a hunt is a hundred thirty eight whatnot pages long. Um, a famous card that they did was they put I forget who had the car, I want to say Williams, but I'm not entirely sure. Um. They put a fan on the back of their car. A big old fan that spins and sucks air. They put that on the back of their car. Outside that, of it? Yeah, on the back side of it. A giant fan. Yep. It just, just sticking out in the back. Yep. And they won that race with that car design. Well, so like, the FIA had to ban putting a giant fan on the back of your car. How does that work? Because it, it's blasting more air to push you? I don't you. know the full science of the fan on the back of the car. What I do know is that it plays a lot into your aerodynamics of the car. And if your aerodynamics are extremely good, that could win you the race. I don't know the full science that goes into it, but I remember they did that on a car. The car won that race. An FIA banned having a fan on the back of your car almost immediately after that race. Huh. So if you go through the FIA rule book, there's going to be a bunch of things 
that they fix immediately after someone invented a genius system. Hmm. Time to start experimenting. You know, start starting to put some wacky you parts. Start in looking it. for other loopholes in the book and be like, hmm, yes, I can do this. Just a little like, uh, what's it in the action movies? The little oil slick machine, just, and then just <laughs> like a James Bond mobile. Yeah, or like like dropping like nails or something. Just just open hey, the switches. Aston Martin, they make James Bond's car. They could just put it on their F one car, and that's how they won races. It's like the car, like you flip a switch and it's just flashing lights behind them. Oh god! Just blinding people. <laughs> now that's dangerous. You're asking people to crash. But I mean, there's a bunch of. Uh, loopholes that people have used one of the things is uh, tires um during the 80s once again i don't remember the team but i do remember the car the car had six wheels instead of four three wheels on each side yep it had the four main ones and i think it had two smaller wheels but still big wheels in front as well so there were four in the front two in the back and then in the front, there were two small wheels and two regular size wheels. And they raced with that just because it improves. I'm assuming it improved traction, handling, and turning. But that was a loophole that someone thought of. And they're like, doesn't say in the rule books that it needs to have four wheels. <laughs> so they added two more on it. And there you go. So what I'm hearing is one guy ruined it for everyone else. Um, I don't that rule is still active today because they had because i think that car raced a number of times having six wheels i think the fia saw it and they're like seems awfully suspicious but <laughs> i think we'll keep it <laughs> but uh obviously I, I don't think the fia interfered on that loophole too much because you don't see Every F1 car nowadays having six wheels. All the F1 cars today have four wheels. So I'm assuming FIA looked at it and went like, sure, it's a loophole, but they're not cheating from it. They're still losing races regardless if they're on four wheels or six wheels. So they didn't uh, seem it as a problem. And now this is genius marketing, right? <laughs> you, you get six wheels, right? You have mm -hmm. each different wheel of a brand. And then, you know, when the camera is, like, panning over the car, they see, like, yeah. different different tires. You could you could have done that back old school, but now FIA or F1 in general, they only go to one tire brand, just Pirelli. There's only one now. Because apparently, I think there was another one, but they were prone to blowouts. Blowouts being the tire literally just explodes. <laughs> During the race. <laughs> Yeah, that has happened many times before. It happened last season with Max Verstappen. Oh my gosh. He was just driving down to like 200 plus miles per hour, and then his back wheel blows up, and he crashes into the wall. I just imagine like the race is going, and all the, everyone's car just starts blowing up. Okay. Like, like a domino. Now that might be an issue. <laughs> like a domino effect. Just like, well, why is everyone slowing down? I mean, that could happen because if one wheel blows up, destroys some carbon fiber, throws it onto the track, and you got a piece of sharp, you got a piece of shrapnel essentially, and someone drives over it and blows up that wheel, yeah, you can get a chain reaction. So, so it's a lot of pressure on this one tire brand to make sure they don't mess up. Yes, there was. I mean, 
Pirelli at the same time, they looked into it and they're like, we don't know why it blew up. It's awful strange. Um, and because of last season, no, not because of last season, the FIA planned it out a long time ago, but they moved on to different wheel sizes in order to prevent blowouts. So the wheels are bigger, which means the tires are smaller. So the tires are going to be less prone to blowing up just randomly during the race. But they could still happen. Sometimes it's just a freak accident on the track. Sometimes it could just be because of the way F1 does tires. So in F1, you're you're given a certain amount of sets. So in F1, they say, hey, um, we're giving you eight sets of super hard, eight sets of medium, eight sets of soft, and then four sets of wet tires, and then four sets of intermediate wet tires. And then depending on you, how you want to race throughout the entire season uh, could depend on what tires you end up using. Hmm. So if you want to get pole position every single time, you'd want to use your soft tires. But you don't have enough soft tires to do it on every single race if you wanted to, unless you're super conservative on your wheels. So let's say for the first 10 races, I'm going to use soft tires in order to get pole position. When you use that tire during qualifying, it has a certain amount of laps wear and tear on it. Because obviously rubber is going to peel off from turning and whatnot. Yeah. But later down the line, say you're like, we're running out of tires to use. You'd be like, hey, remember qualifying we did back at this race? We only used this tire set for two laps. So these tires are essentially brand new, even though they're considered used we can use these tires and they'll put those used tires back on the car and use those. The only issue is, is once you get to a certain point on those tires, they're deemed essentially dangerous to run. So Dude. those soft tires that you ran for 60 laps and you got no more softs, you don't want to put those soft tires back on for the next race because <laughs> those soft tires are going to blow up during those races. Hmm. What a... There's a lot of strategy which goes into F1. I, I don't know if people actually realize goes into it. I mean, I'm starting to realize that you can, you can, if you're if you're in last place, you might as well just change the whole car. Uh, yeah. I mean, with last being last place in like a championship, like the cup, the whole thing and whatnot. What the FIA allows is the people who are in last when they're developing their car, they get the longest time in the wind tunnel to develop their aerodynamics. But if you are a Mercedes or you're Red Bull and you're either, you're one of the people that are in the very top or you won world championship, you're gonna have the least amount of time in the wind tunnel because FIA already assumes you have a winning scheme on this car already. Haas has no idea what they're doing. So they get the longest time in the wind tunnel to figure out what they want to do for aerodynamics and whatnot. And then maybe Haas doesn't end up last this season. They end up in the midfield. That means they get what the midfield time is. And whoever is the new lowest now gets the longest time in the wind tunnel. Huh. So there is, they try to even it out. A they try bit. to even the field out a lot. Yeah. I mean, with the new season coming up, everyone had to build a brand new car 
which all look very similar in terms of aerodynamics. Because the FIA just says, hey, this is the format for the 2022 car. Every car or every team must incorporate these designs on their new car. And once those, those designs are on, then you can modify anything else you want on it. Because the FIA wants, they want money and they want the viewership. Mm-hmm. So what their plan was is their new FIA cars are supposed to allow for, quote unquote, very close racing. So because they now are going to have very close racing, they're hoping more people are going to watch, which increases the viewership, which means FIA brings in more money. Ah, genius tactic. It's all about the money, Felix. I mean, it's a big sport. It's like football, you know, you got to you got to get as it's, much viewers as you can. Yeah, it's a big sport. It's not up there with football. Football is... I don't think anything can take down football. American football. Hmm. Maybe soccer at the World Cup. But I don't think anything can take down football in the U.S. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. NASCAR, NASCAR, basketball? NASCAR is big. No. Really? Not basketball? Like, basketball's, like, gotta be kind of close. Well, you gotta think about it. Basketball championship comes around. They have to play seven games. Football comes around. We have a holiday called Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) You gotta think about that, Felix. There's a dedicated day for all Americans around the U.S. to watch football on this one big day, which determines the whole championship. Ah, so that's why Monday's no school. Ah, <laughs> genius, so that they can party and then, you know, like, enjoy a little bit. I, I would not be surprised if a lot of people called out on the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. I would not be surprised. Dang, well, we got to make racing into a big holiday then. Um, it's It's getting there. Well, the main thing which is making... Well, I'll just say, the main thing which brought me into F1 is the document series drive to survive on netflix it already had a few seasons but the third season because pandemic happened people were all at home watching netflix they found this and drive to survive really increased the popularity of f1 i want to say to the u.s because it it rose a significant amount since drive to survive happened and granted they're they're a documentary type show. At the same time, they like making up their own fantasy drama from time to time, which is kind of shady because it paints people in bad light. Uh, one of the people being Max Verstappen. He did a few interviews with Drive to Survive, mm-hmm. but then he saw that the Netflix people grabbed quotes from completely separate races and things he said about completely different things and pieced it all together to make it look like he was the villain to uh, Daniel Ricardo. What the and heck? Max is just like, why Why do you want me to do interviews if you're just going to paint me in this bad light? Yeah. So watch at your discretion. Don't believe everything Drive to Survive says is truth, but it is a way to get back in or to get into F1 because... They essentially show and recap the last three seasons. For the fourth season's coming out real soon, March eleventh, I think. But, like, 
F1 races are long. They can go from like one to two hours. Mm-hmm. And there have been four, in terms of what Netflix has covered, there have been four years of racing, which is a lot. Like, if you want to sit down and be like, all right, let's start at this race and watch it through and see what happens, it's going to take a long time. Drive to Survive narrows it down to an hour to cover a couple of races, and they just do one season for another season of F1. They'll do, like, say, eight episodes. So that's only eight hours that has been compressed into... Oh, it stopped. No. Okay. Sorry, continue. Uh, where was I? <laughs> oh, the documentary. Um, let's say a season's 20 races. Mm-hmm. You're compressing all that down into eight episodes, which is definitely more watchable than watching 20 races. So Drive to Survive, I would say it definitely helps to like show and recap a lot of what's happened in the last races, but also don't take everything they say just because... They want to make drama in order to seem it like more enticing show. Like there was a lot of drama this last season and I watched, I watched the actual races themselves. I want to see how Drive to Survive paints the drama of this season and see if they're biased or see if they make up stuff as well. But that's how I essentially got into F1 is I watched that show and luckily at the same time, the 2021 season was starting and I'm just like, sweet. Every, not every Sunday, but Sunday comes around. It's a race weekend. Sit down with the family and watch it. And then also check up on their Twitters or any sort of articles about F1. See if any any drama happens on the sideline. And yeah. That's about it. Wow. <laughs> Learned a lot about racing. Yeah. They, they they don't finish and they like they're not duking it out. They're like, no. hey, I, I, why are you trying to bump into me, bro? I mean, there have been moments like that. Um, I think Esteban Ocon, uh, he he caused a crash with Max Verstappen, and then after the practice session or the qualifying session. Max goes back into the pits. He finds Ocon, and he starts shoving him and yelling stuff at him. So there, there have been fights. There's, there's drama all over F one. Dang. Like um, what else? Fernando Alonso, who was a world champion, and Lewis Hamilton, also world champion, when they were racing together, uh, Fernando went into the pit stop first. They pitted his car, and then Fernando sat there in his car for I think 10 seconds and then he drove off and then Lewis was right behind him the whole time Lewis couldn't pit because Fernando's just sitting there so there's there's all sorts of drama <laughs> that happens in F1 whether it's created by Netflix or not even the the very last race that happened during the 2021 season probably has the most drama in it out of all of the races that have happened. Dang, so if I get any beef, I'm standing in the car, you can't touch me. <laughs> if you touch the car, that's a fine right there. Yeah, it's true. Don't touch the car, that's a big fine. Yeah. Hey, don't touch it. Hey, you grab my seatbelt, another fine right there. There's, there's all sorts of trauma that goes around F1. <laughs> it, some of it's pretty funny. Some of it just... It determines a whole season. 
because that's what happened last se- uh, last season. Lewis and Max are tied in the championship. It comes down to one race, and that one race is so it got so messed up and changed in so many ways that there is a lot of drama about Max being the new uh, world champion in F1. Oh. You're like, yeah, I'm a champion, but then you're like, oh, someone's out I'm for a my champion. neck. Someone's out for my neck, bro. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's more like I'm a champion at what technicality and whatnot. There's a lot of... Uh, during the last season, there was a lot of beef between Red Bull and Mercedes. There was a lot. And there's also a lot of memes that came from it as well. <laughs> Red Bull? Yeah. I can't imagine that. Red Bull doing the, the usual Red Bull gives you wings. Red Bull gives you wings. And then, like, cuts into, like, a Mercedes commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Who, which company bought ownership of the view time on the F1 race first? <laughs> He's just they're like, yeah, yeah, I get I get ten seconds more than this dude. Mercedes just like, hey, I'll drop I'll give you more money if you make our commercial thirty seconds. <laughs> no no, we'll we'll combine Red Bull's commercial and we'll just like we'll act like we just stopped them. Yeah. There's I don't know if I like there being a lot of drama in F one. Just racing. You're trying to enjoy it's, a race. Yeah, it's just racing. A good clean race. That's all you want. That is true. A clean race is what you want. But the last season did not give us a lot of clean races, I will say. There was a lot of... I can't even think of a race where there wasn't some sort of big drama happening. (laughs) Which I guess is nice because we have a new world champion because of it. We got Max Verstappen, who's now... It's his first time being world champion. It's the... He finally took down... All right, if I say it like this, it's going to sound like I'm biased, and that's because I am biased. It took down Lewis Hamilton, who had the championship title for seven seasons. Almost seven seasons straight, but he lost it in 2016 to his teammate, I think. His teammate won the race? His teammate won the world championship. What's his name? can't think of his name right now i should i should know it it's most recent it wasn't significant enough nico hulkenberg there you go it was nico hulkenberg won it and disrupted his his streak but lewis he won it like four times after that so it doesn't really matter but we have a new world champion because of it and because of that it's no longer a uh, mercedes dominated type season yeah so the underdog yeah, underdog Red Red story. Bull was essentially the underdog, and they were able to clutch it at the very end, and that's how they won. Dang, so is that why I keep seeing some Red Bull ads? They're just celebrating their win? They're like, yeah, yeah, let, yeah that's exactly we're, it. We're, we're going to release a bunch of ads on Red Bull, even though no one knows what, not really, not, not many know what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I want, that's pretty much it. Red Bull won. They're like, we need to make some commercials off of this show that we're better than uh, Mercedes and whatnot. And that's exactly what they did. Wow. However, the last race's results are questionable in the eyes of a lot of people. For Red Bull, 
I don't really care. He won it. He came first over the finishing line and he won it. Mercedes people would give a very different story to what I'd had, I'd say. And that's just because I'm biased. Thanks. So he's like, yeah, I won. But when he's going out to buy cars, they're like, yo, that's, we can't let this guy get a car. Um, Red Bull has a sponsorship with Honda because oh. Honda's their provider. So he doesn't have to worry about that. Honda okay. sends him an NSX and he's fine. Okay, I was going to say, that'd be kind of awkward. You're like, yeah, I won the race, but I need to get a car. And, <laughs> and uh, it's not looking so great for me right now. Uh, with the amount of money they get, they, they, can, they have enough money to buy cars if they wanted to. What is, are we talking like, like, like billions or something? Like, like not more? billions, but we're talking millions. First, second, and third? Which is one one one. Oh, on no, they don't. Well, I guess no, they don't win money based off of their races, unless they say in their contract that they do. I don't think so. They're like um. They're like sports players, just normal sports players. You you work for a team, you they make you sign a contract. The contract the contract says, hey, you're gonna you're gonna race for us or you're gonna play for us for three years, and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But regardless of if you win the Super Bowl or if you win the World Cup or if you win the Grand Prix or not, you still have a base salary that you're getting from that company based off of your contract. So um, I'll just give an example. Mick Schumacher, he gets half a million, I think. His contract says he gets half a million a year. His contract goes for two years. Regardless of if he wins every single race and gets world cup i'm assuming he'll get a bonus for it but his base salary is was still half a million because that's what he signed in the contract Mm -hmm. that'll also go vice versa lewis hamilton's been winning all the world championships his contract is like 50 million dollars but he didn't win world championship regardless that he didn't win world championship he still got 50 million dollars from his contract so Hmm. So you got to negotiate a little higher raise in case if you don't win. Yeah. I mean, I bet Max Verstappen was negotiating with Red Bull being like, hey, I won you the world championship. My next contract better have more zeros on it. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna slide a paper and they're going to like just hand it to him. He's going to look at it. He's like, no. No. He gets his Sharpie. He changes one of the numbers and he slides it back. He's like, let, let me do a little changes, <laughs> little adjustments. Like, little we, need, we need a couple here, more zeros on there. They make, uh, I mean, we're also talking, I mentioned Mick Schumacher. Mick Schumacher's a rookie, and he gets half a million. So we're already talking, experienced F1 drivers are making millions of dollars based off their contract. So it's not a cheap sport. There is a lot of money that goes into it. Yeah. Which is why I said you need money in order to get into it as well. Ah. Or if you have the name, that also helps. The name of what? Say Lewis Hamilton Jr. wants to do F1. <laughs> hey, there's a Mercedes junior. Mercedes would be like, yes, we'll hire you instantly. Hey, there's a junior. Uh... I mean, that's what happened with Mick Schumacher. He was a, he's a racer. He did karting. But, of course, you see the Schumacher name, which is famous to Michael Schumacher, who holds the most records in F1 for... A bunch of stuff, I think. The main one I can think of which comes to mind is he has eight world championship titles. Lewis only has seven. But 
Lewis broke Schumacher's record of wins and pole positions, I think. Hmm. So Schumacher got eight world championships with less races, with less race wins in comparison to Lewis, who only has seven with more race wins. But Lewis is still racing. So, of course, he's going to continue to increase his record if he can. But if you saw... Michael Schumacher's son wants to race in F1. Mick Schumacher is holding the famous name Schumacher <laughs> into F1. So, of course, that is going to help you in getting hired. Huh. I got a brilliant plan, all right? So, okay. I know the first question, the very first question was like, how can I get into F1, all right? So, you know, you had to break the news to me. But then I got another <laughs> idea, all right? That okay. It sparked an idea. I'm going to, if I have a kid one day. Yeah. I'm going to change his name, his last name <laughs> into the famous, famous F1 driver. And then, okay. and then, and then I'll like have him like drive a little bit, you know, and try and get some recognition out there. And then the companies be like, I recognize that last name there. Like, uh, you know, how'd that happen? And then, you know, we get a sponsorship right there. And then, you know, F1 driver right there. A very long-term plan. Okay. Is a plan. I cannot guarantee it would work, but I cannot guarantee that it would not work. You never know until you try, man. <laughs> I, I, you know what, Felix? You're right. You, I won't know until you try it and we find <laughs> out if you get, they get into F1 or not. You're like, Kaden, oh my gosh, it worked. <laughs> You're just living the glory through your child. <laughs> I was like, they're like, why'd you name me this? The, what gave you the inspiration? A great question. Uh, you ever see those memes? Where it's like, Dad, why is my sister's name Rose? And it's like, oh, because your mom chose your name. You go, oh, okay. Is that why you chose my name? And I went, yes, that is why I chose your name. Cam, why Thunder 26? <laughs> you pat your child on the head. <laughs> that's, hey, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what your plan is. Just uh, with a lot more money and less memeable. Or more memeable, actually. That's a huge meme right there. It's, it spirals into the... Uh, I put in the meme, and then the, it goes into social media. It gets recognition, even if it doesn't go out well. And then it, Someone would be like, yo, this guy attempted it. This guy... Yeah, my child is now a meme star. <laughs> so if they're not an F1 driver, they'll be a meme star or something. Or you just name your child after that, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, my dad's blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, right this way. Be like... Oh, uh, it's a little expensive steak. Did you know my dad is uh, Lewis Hamilton? Would be like, oh, really? Don't worry, it's on the house goods, sir. And they're like, ah, thanks. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> that that's another idea. That this just keeps spiraling into better ideas, and then you go on to so you're like, hey, can I get into this party? You're like, you're like trying to get celebrities to uh, friend you. There you go. Like, oh yeah, my dad's blowing. I know this they're person. Like, oh. This guy's got money to throw around. This guy's famous. Hey, that's free networking right there. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, yes, come back to my one-bedroom apartment. And they're like, huh, wait a minute. I wasn't sponsored. <laughs> I wasn't sponsored this season. I had to make fun of your cuts. <laughs> now, then you, then, you, then you blackmail the company. You're like, they didn't, they didn't help me out. And then, and then the company has to, has to, you know, 
has to address it. This is a very long plan of fraud. It's Felix. a it's a very long identity theft. <laughs> it's a very dangerous game where it's it, and then there'll be a whole documentary, whole movie about it. And it'll be like it'll say like based on a true story. Based on a true story of Felix Miago, <laughs> the man who attempted to steal thirty identities of F one drivers. <laughs> attempted to get into F one. The long way around. The unconventional way into F one. Yep, Felix I, Miago. I don't see it on the rule book, man. I was looking at the hundred and thirty pages, man. <laughs> it don't say that. It does not say that I cannot change my name to another famous driver. FIA goes. I guess you're right. It does not say that. <laughs> and then they incorporate it in the next season. Next season cannot name people Felix Miago. They're <laughs> like, damn, unlucky. Yeah. All right, let's choose another name on the list. Well, it only says one person's name, and then there's just going to be a list of names, just examples. Yep. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. And then, ah, uh, yes, I will... Uh, I'll go to Tesla, all right? Tesla, okay. they're, they're famous cars. They're, they're known mm-hmm. for their speed, all right? Okay. Now, I know it's, it's electric, but, you know, maybe, maybe there's a loophole to make it seem like it's a, it runs on turbos or something or, or gas, you know? I don't know where I'm going off that. But. Felix is, he's, he is poking holes in FIA's rule book whenever he can find it. <laughs> I'm kind of curious though, 130, if, if, cause like, like you said with the fan, then that just means like, oh, there's like a random rule, then like, that just means someone attempted it. Yeah, there's a bunch of random rules like that. I, I'm assuming the majority of the book states rules based off of racing. Like, that's probably gonna be a, a, a good chunk of it's gonna be like par ferme rules. Mm-hmm. Qualifying two says you can only do it on these tires. There's probably, I mean, I bet it makes up a big chunk, but it doesn't make up the whole book about, like, the specifications of your car. Because obviously, every single car says, hey, you have to have 18-inch wheels. That's just a standalone. You cannot change that whatsoever. And another thing says, um, your wing cannot open past 55 centimeters. You can make it open to 54. You make it open to 53, 52. You can't make it go past 55. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of rules like that, which people find loopholes in and try to manipulate. Because if you look at the the newest cars for next season, there are some which have zero change whatsoever. The Red Bull, the new Red Bull car looks exactly the same like the old Red Bull car, just with the little changes. But if you look at the new Ferrari car, the new Ferrari car looks extremely different in comparison to the old Ferrari car. It's just where manufacturers think they can customize their car in the gray gaps that the FIA doesn't cover in order for them to come out with the better car on top. That's essentially what I think is with the rule book being it 130 plus pages long. Wow. <laughs> I just learned so much about F1 driving. The big old F one Bible will tell you everything about it. <laughs> hey, who needs crash course? I just got I just got a free lesson. Yeah, very much. From a very credible and enthusiast F one fan. Yup. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll give it my thumb of approval. In less than two hours? Record. Was it really that long? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, you want to do any final closings as the guest? Um. Any shout outs? Any any plugs? Shout out to Max for stopping for winning it from Lewis. Good job, man. Um, <laughs> I'll let a bit of my bias out. Lewis Hamilton's a bit of a villain, so I had to root for Max. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I recommend you watch it. New season's coming up soon. First race is March 20th, I think. Uh, as of this point of recording, all of the F, the new F1 cars have been revealed and whatnot. So races is a, racing is about to come back soon. So March 20th is when they race at, what's it called? Not Abu Dhabi. Not Azerbaijan. It's, um, it's, it'll come to me. Bahrain, Abu, I don't remember. But March 20th is when it's coming back. So. Stay tuned. Just, we'll have a watch party along with it. I'll invite you over and we can watch. Okay. I'll be like, wow. This one looks like. They're they're doing something. Ah, <laughs> uh, wheels didn't blow out, man. What is this? Felix watches the first race and no one come, no one's car explodes <laughs> into a wall. And Felix goes, "Man, this this racing sucks. No one died. No one blew up. There's no crashes. No, I don't see no fights going on. <laughs> uh, that's about it. It's about all the shoutouts and plugs I can think of. You sure? What, you want me to plug my stuff? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I thought you were going to do it, but like... I have an Instagram at... What is my Instagram at? KMYThunder26. I also have a YouTube channel uh-huh. that's also KMYThunder26 that has not been touched for a couple of years, <laughs> but it still has videos on it if you want to watch. That's about it. That's all of my handles. Yeah. Other than that, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to have a new guest. My first time here, yeah. Yeah, my setup. New setup and everything. I'm like, oh, man. They can't see it. There's one light here, one light there. and There's one, one down light. there. And there's <laughs> one on the ceiling as well. So This is actually the first setup I'm trying out. Nice. Since you said we're doing it at my house. So I was like, I need to figure out a setup. Yeah, it's too cold to do it outside. And my house is a bit of a mess. So thank you for hosting as well. <laughs> yes. And then we'll do a D&D session or video or podcast in the next one Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for watching everybody have a great rest of your day